I mean, yeah, I guess now I believe. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. If there was ever a doubt, gone. Uh, last week I said, expect the unexpected, right? So I think we delivered on that promise. I feel like if I could sing like you and you, I would never ever speak. But I can't, so you know, here we go. Friends, welcome to First Presbyterian Church on this resurrection of our Lord's Sunday, this Easter Sunday. Whoever you are, however you are joining us this day, whatever stories or gifts or baggage you bring, know this, you bless us with your presence. If you are new, new to this church or new to faith, a very special welcome. As beautiful and as holy as this all feels and seems, I know that it also can feel a little weird and maybe even a little scary. And yet your courage in coming here today tells me that you are in search of good news. You are looking for good community. You are hoping to encounter a good and a gracious God. If that sounds like you, be assured that you are among those who desire the exact same things. And since we all share that in common, I am going to let you in on a little secret. We actually do this every week. Every Sunday, whether in person or online, we gather here in this place to pray and to sing, to support each other as we grow in our relationship with God. We are committed to asking hard questions and claiming holy answers and extending radical welcome to every single person who enters our midst. We are not perfect or exceptional. Our stories are varied, our perspectives are diverse, and we don't always agree. But I would say that is, what, that is actually what makes us so special. In a world that seeks to divide, we seek to embrace. We embrace Jesus and justice, scripture and society, the heart and the body and the soul and the mind. And so if any of that resonates with you, I say go with it. Don't overthink it. Grab one of the connect cards that can be found in your pew racks or in the YouTube chat. Fill it out. Hit that submit button or bring that connect card to the welcome table after the service. And we will give you more information about what it means to be a part of this community. With that, friends, let us pray. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. This we pray in the name of the one whose resurrection brings us all here this and every day. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Throughout this Lent, we at First Pres have done what many would call inadvisable. With our Bible in hand and a good measure of courage, we walked right into the heart of the wilderness. For 40 days, we wandered in that strange and sacred place where our biggest fears lurk in the shadows, where we as humans are not in control. Each week, we confronted a different fear we face in that spiritual desert. Our fear of the unknown and being invisible. Our fear of silence and scarcity. Our fear of temptation. And today, we face our biggest fear of them all. Our fear of death. 
Now, for those of you who came to church looking for a resurrection story, don't worry, you are going to get one. Just probably not the one that you were expecting, because today's scripture reading comes to us not from the end of one of the Gospels, but the middle. Hear now God's word for you today as it comes to us from the gospel according to John chapter 11. The death before Jesus' death. The resurrection before Jesus' resurrection. The raising of Lazarus. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. Then Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha said to him, Lord, there's already a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd so that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Six years ago, a group of heavy hitters in the fields of show business and tech and medicine gathered in the living room of famed Hollywood producer Norman Lear. Now, the reason for this strange gathering? To kick off the National Academy of Medicine's grand challenge in healthy longevity. In other words, a contest to find the solution to aging. Over the course of the evening, the conversation moved from commonplace solutions like a healthy diet and exercise to less well-known options like the God molecule. But it didn't take long for the conversation to move beyond simply helping people live longer to avoiding death altogether. 
one of the event's investors, a radiologist, announced there should be no reason we can't end aging forever. The founder of a biotech firm asserted clearly it is possible through technology to make death optional. Even the Academy's president agreed. And I, I guess it makes sense, right? If death really is one of humanity's biggest fears, the ultimate wilderness, well then the answer must be to avoid it entirely, right? Now to be fair, this isn't just a modern obsession. If we go back a few millennia to the Gospel of John, we will find two sisters who will do just about everything in their power to avoid the death of their brother, Lazarus. And in the absence of leading scientists and doctors to make this happen, Mary and Martha turn to the one person who might actually be able to perform this miracle, their dear friend, Jesus. The one who made the lame to walk and the blind to see. The one who helped those in their greatest time of need. Surely this Jesus could save their brother from death. Surely this Jesus would save their brother from death. But as the story goes, Jesus does not answer the sister's request. And their brother Lazarus dies. And when Jesus does finally show up, Mary and Martha have the exact same reaction that so many of us do when life doesn't go according to our plan or our preferences, when we find ourselves stranded right in the middle of the wilderness. We play the if-only game. You know that game. I'm talking about, if only, if only, Lord, you had come when we called, our brother would not have died. If only we had received the diagnosis earlier, if only there was a cure to this disease, if only we had laws to prevent this kind of violence in our towns and in our schools, if only we had politicians willing to do something, if only we lived in a country where people still believed in God, if folks still went to church, if only we didn't fear those who were different than us, if only humanity was better, the system more just, the world less cruel, if only, if only, if only, only death was optional. And as scripture reminds us, unfortunately, this isn't the case. Not for Lazarus, not for Jesus, not for any of us. As scripture reminds us, even the one who conquers death itself weeps in the face of it. Why? Because death is real. Death is terrifying. And death is not optional. And yet, even as Jesus weeps over these painful realities, he still gets to work. He goes to where his beloved friend has been laid to rest, orders the stone to be moved, thanks his father in heaven, and then he commands Lazarus to come out of the tomb, take off his grave clothes, and out of the shadow of death itself. Lazarus, too, has risen. He has risen indeed. Now again, I know that you were all expecting a different resurrection story this morning, but given the wilderness journey that we have all been on together, this one made a little more sense. After all, it doesn't sugarcoat anything about the human experience. 
It doesn't pretend that life is easy or that our fears are without reason. It affirms everything we know in our bodies to be true, everything we see with our eyes to be true, that death is real. But it also affirms everything we hope in our hearts to be true. Everything we believe in our souls to be true, that resurrection is real. And resurrection is near. You see, if Easter Sunday, all of this does its job, all of us who have gathered this morning to worship the most holy God on this most holy day, we will realize that regardless of what resurrection story we tell, we are actually not destined to be a Mary or a Martha or a member of the grieving crowd, as much as we might relate to their experience. No, we, my friends, are destined to be Lazarus. You see, if Easter Sunday does its job, all of us who have gathered here this day will realize that the hope, the promise of resurrection isn't simply to save us from death, but to deliver us into life, abundant life, this abundant life. The kind of life Jesus promised us when he said, I came to bring life and life to the full. Not life to the perfect or life to the predictable or life to the easy or life without suffering or pain, but life to the full. And just like Lazarus, our resurrection is not just about taking us out of this world, but placing us squarely in it as those who believe that this life is worth living, this world is worth saving, this hope is worth having. Just like Lazarus, our resurrection calls us to bear witness to the resurrection we experience right now as proof of the resurrection that is to come. In Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ. Yes, my friends, death is real, but guess what? So is resurrection. And so six weeks ago, we started this series by naming the reality of the wilderness, the reality of death in all of our lives. I said, if you have ever lost a loved one, that's a wilderness. If you've ever lost a relationship, that is a wilderness. If you've ever lost your home or your job, your health or your faith, your ability to trust anyone, to trust the world, to trust that life is worth living, well, that's all wilderness. That is all real. That's all death. But at the end of this journey, on this holiest of days, this Easter Sunday, it seems fitting to me to name the resurrection. And so if you have ever cherished the memory of a loved one, that's resurrection. If you have ever forgiven or reconciled or renewed a relationship, that is resurrection. If you've ever come to church and seen an electric guitar and a gospel choir and an organ and a brass quintet, friends, that's resurrection. If you have ever received or extended generosity, if you have ever witnessed the baptism of a child, if you have ever seen a people emerge from all that, is, that life has thrown their way, still searching for some good news, still looking for good community, still hoping to encounter God, that is resurrection. 
follow that is resurrection. Because resurrection is real. And so we are going to follow in the lead of our amazing choir this morning. It seems fitting that on this most holy of days that we profess what we believe. I'm going to ask you to do it with as much gusto as they did. I don't know. Can they do it? Well, they can try. They can try. Yes, they can try. And so, beloved community, I invite you to stand with me in body or in spirit as together we profess our faith, what we believe, using the Apostles' Creed. And I, I really meant it about that gusto part, okay? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 